Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start It Up podcast. I have a guest on today that uh, is from Australia, and it is nice because uh, we got to know one another, and uh, I did his show, uh, a, a wonderful podcast there in Australia called The Human Impact. Actually, it's the top 100 show. Uh, and he's like, man, that was fun. Uh, and I was like, you know what? You should be on mine. <laughs> and so uh, it has started off a, a, a nice a nice friendship. Um, Ed's a serial entrepreneur. He's built four companies in four continents, actually, over the last 20 years. He's an ex-lawyer uh, and, and former headhunters, advised some of the world's biggest brands, including a lot of Fortune 500 and Australian top 20 companies. Um, he has coached more than 15,000 people in 35 different countries, if that's giving you some sort of an indication of his depth and breadth of work. He's also a cancer survivor, like I said, a, a podcast host. Um, but what he is, he's a conversationalist, and he's always kind of putting um, people's thoughts, hopes, fears at, at the forefront and uh, giving sound advice, not necessarily what people want to hear. And he's really good at asking questions to kind of get to the heart of matter. Uh, so I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation um, with Ed, not only on the show I did for him, but on this one you're about to hear. Uh, genuinely good, good person. So I'm going to have uh, his link below on his podcast. And I said strongly recommend you check it out. All right, so let's get right to it. No, you're going to love this one, Ed Andrew. All right, joining me now is the host of the Human Impact Podcast, upcoming author and friend from Down Under, Ed Andrew. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, Don. Thanks for having me on. And and this is reciprocated because you've been on my show as well, and that was a blast. So I'm looking forward to this. I really, you know, I like conversations. I Some of, like early in my podcasting, you could tell that I had had all these great questions prepared. And you can also hear that I'm not listening to the answers. I'm just waiting for a pause so I can ask my next question because I was so damn proud of my questions. Now I try to, well, of course today, you know, much different. And I I just, I love a good conversation mostly because there's, you go in different directions you'd expect and it normally ends up a lot better. And rarely have I, there's only been two podcasts where I'm like, I'm not going to release this. This is so bad. Um, actually, I don't know if this person's gonna, I, one time I was like, Hey, it just, you know, my computer crashed and, and I just, you know, this person kept saying, okay, well, when can we record it? We can record it. I just said, Hey man, I, I just can't. Um, his content was so <laughs> wow, that's inappropriate. Uh, I had no idea what he was going to talk about. Like, yeah, I, I'll stop there. But that being said, I really I already enjoyed our first conversation, so I'm going to enjoy it. And thank you for the time zone difference. I mean, I I have to deal with this. Um, you know, I de- you know get a decent amount of people on the West Coast. It's three hours difference. We're fifteen hours difference. Fifteen hours. Yeah, basically, my podcast normally start at five or six a.m. And it's now 12.30, so this is a luxury. This is middle of the day. So, yeah. but, but on your point about podcasting and about guests, I learned a lesson from, I think, you know, do you know Jeremy Ryan Slate, Create Your Own Life? You've been on his show, yeah. you know him? I have okay. not, but I do know who he is. So Jeremy, and he's done 650 of these now, I think, over like eight years. And he said to me a while ago, he said, uh, when we were recording it, I was recording him on the show, and he said, the question you have to remember to ask is, ask yourself all the time is, what question does the audience want to know? 
because we get carried away in our own egos the things we want to learn. <laughs> but you've got we've got to remember. Hopefully, we have a, someone listening to it as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I do something, and this may be this literally may be the pinnacle of either narcissism or commitment to quality. <laughs> but a lot of times, I will listen to the show again while. So I, I love mowing the lawn. And I mm-hmm. love listening to podcasts while mowing lawn. And I'll listen to my own podcast sometimes. And I'm like, why didn't I ask that? You know, I'll, oh. I'll, I'll, somebody will give me some nugget of wisdom. And I didn't ask the good follow-up question. I just, I beat myself up. Well, there's a couple of times recently when I've had some, you know, some, some pretty well-known guests out there on the show. And they said, well, we can talk about this if you want. And you sort of know they want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I also know that, that's probably not a place I want to go to. Yeah. <laughs> so, and But the audience hears that. So you do wonder, should I have gone there or not? Yeah. Well, try having a daughter who also has a podcast. I, I, I'm, yeah, sometimes I wonder if she really appreciates me sending her emails. <laughs> you said this and that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still a dad. I can't help yeah. And, and for those of you who don't know, and, and it's Don's daughter, Ava. So Don's probably going to have a, I mean, Ava's probably going to have a podcast, which is more, more popular than the both of us. So <laughs> you don't get that. <laughs> She's starting to get guests. And I'm like, hmm, I tried them too. And they never responded to me, but good for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had JT as guest number one, right? Um, yeah. Although he's, pretty much family at this point yeah i, I guess that but that, that's that's the idea right if if michelle obama or oprah's family is like you're gonna get them on first, <laughs> don't you? the one that made her so scared and it's actually one of her first interviews and she sat on it for a year was tom bilyeu and oh wow she she didn't want to release it and um because like she locked me out of the room and she was a nervous wreck and all her other stuff and so finally she released it i think it's one of her best like three times in the show, Tom was like, how old are you? This is incredible. And he just, he really enjoyed it. But you could tell in like the first five minutes, she was kind of short of breath. She was really nervous. Um, <laughs> Tom's one of her eyes and she, hey, you know, it wasn't quite the Chris Farley show, but, uh, it, you know, she was, she was a little nervous. So. Okay. So, so let's put that in perspective as well. Okay. Um, yeah. She was 16 every, at the time. She's 16. And for everyone who, who's listening, who doesn't know this, like my view is that Tom Billier's introduction to Don right, <laughs> is probably the best intro I've ever heard on Don, on, on Tom's show. So how did, how did Ava get, get, get Tom when she was 16? I mean, seriously. Uh, well, cause I, actually I think she was just about turns. Yeah. I mean, because I'd done Tom's show and you already done uh, it, yeah, 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 and, and uh, Tom's a good guy, and so the whole origin story of that was funny on why she wanted to do the podcast. Basically, we were sitting in the car and we were listening to some god awful celebrity gossip, and they were laughing that some celebrity couple had got a divorce or something along those lines. And Ava looks at the radio and points and she goes, "This, this is Gen Z's problem." She says, a lot of my friends can tell you about, you know, fill in your favorite celebrity's name and who they, you know, broke up with and what they did and what the controversy is. And she's like, but two thirds of my friends have never heard of Tim Ferriss. No one, like no one of my friends knows who Tom Bilyeu is. And then she says, Gen Z needs better mentors. And then she gave Mm. this long pause and she's like, hmm. I should start a podcast called Mentors with a Z so I can interview these cool people and introduce them to Gen Z. And she started like the next week. How very cool is that? 
All right. And, so and the thing wait, that wait, we wait, know, wait, right? this is, is my it, show and I'm interviewing you today. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to listen and answer. Yeah. 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 That's true. It's rapid fire. Maybe if I would have prepared, see, this would have been the old Don Wetch. I go to head. 15 per- questions prepared, and we could just done a rapid fire and been done with this thing. But here we are enjoying ourselves. Speaking of which, let's, let's, there's a myriad of things I want to talk to you about. And again, focus was on conversation because um, we've had some conversations and you are good at that. Um, but how has being a conversationalist, having your own podcast, We'll talk a little bit later about the book coming out. But how has been a conversationalist and wanting to engage been good for you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, that's a good question, Don. I think, look, for the audience benefit, I've always liked talking, okay? So that's probably the ego of the narcissist in me, right, as we say. Um, The podcast actually started off as a strategy um, when I was in the UK a couple of years ago, and again, I was setting up a new business and I hadn't lived in the UK for like, oh, I don't know, I've lived there for like two years in the last 12. And so I didn't really have a good network, even though I did 45% of my business there. And so I thought I'm going to bring on these guests who are the very top of my profession in those days it was law. And that'll give me credibility in my space. And I realized actually that I'd spoken to most of them and that was pretty much the end of it. And also, the thing about entrepreneurship and podcasting is and conversation is that you pretty much only can have people who are authors, scientists, athletes, or who own their own businesses. Because you try and get someone who has a salary job onto your podcast, they're pretty, unless they're the CEO of a large entity, um, they're pretty much going to tow the company line unless they have their own story. So the art of conversation, and I used to be a barrister, for those who don't know, that's an English trial lawyer, so I like talking as well. But in terms of its impact as an entrepreneur, I can say to somebody if I want to, they say, well, what do you know about this? Well, go and listen to my podcast that I recorded on my show with X, or go and listen to me talking to Don about entrepreneurship. And then you'll get an idea as to what my credibility and knowledge level is. And I think that is, to me, one of the powers of being a podcaster is that, A, it gives us access and credibility, but also it, um, it's a constant learning process as an entrepreneur. In fact, anyone in life, I think curiosity is the key to life, which means we have to be lifelong learners. And podcasting is our ability to be that lifelong learner. And also, to your point about you know, good and bad guests, is that we want to continue to learn. So we're not just on the show to promote our own theories, which we want to do, but we want to be challenged. I had someone on my show that I released today and he, his book challenged every single one of my theories about life. But when I had him on the show, it actually backed them up, but he had to unpack it to show what it was. And I think that's the art of conversation is to listen, to observe and to learn. It's, it's funny that you, yeah, talk about conversation, listening, learning. I, I think that that was some of the things that I had struggled with when I felt like um, I was being a good guest is that, well, it's funny because I, I kicked in right after you stopped. No pauses. But um, it was the same thing. Like I, I, I treated this as a learning tool for myself. And, and truly, the whole reason this podcast kicked off was we were inviting, well, oh my gosh, full circle. Um, wow, I just thought about this answer, was because we were reaching out to people uh, in class 
So I had to, this, I know you know this, but I had this class called Innovation and Open Source Learning. And mm-hmm. some of our heroes were Seth Godin, Tina Seelig, um, Tom. And um, the kids were sometimes, I think it, it literally was, it was Tim Ferriss. We, we had him for like two hours. And a kid turns around and he goes, are we recording these? Because we probably should. And so I'm like, yeah. And then it just occurred to me, like, because I at first I thought we record these because not every one of my students was present at that class. You know, it blended over like two classes, but I had four. And I was like, yeah, I should start listening to these and 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 re-releasing them for my others, for other students. And ironically enough, that's exactly how Tom started too. Inside Quest was interviews for Quest nutrition employees. In a lot of ways started up wasn't really started up it was just recording people for my class but that answer of you saying we were really more interested in listening was exactly it yeah some of our questions are, were asked by our kids but for the most part we just sat there in awe or oh 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 before i forget jt being one of them yeah we're gonna give credit credit except he flew down oh funny wow. story funny story when I when he did the podcast, he's like, Don, I really, really, really enjoy what you're doing in the classroom. I'd love to meet your students sometime. That's kind of like saying to a teacher, teachers deserve more pay. You guys are my hero. Oh, stop it. I mean, people say that, but like yeah. every now and then people are like, people deserve more pay. I'm like, buy my lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, never yeah. do. Um, but he says, so like when we're when I pressed stop on recording, he's like, hey man, seriously, shoot me some dates. Um, I'm good this month. Let me know. And I thought he was just being nice. I log off. A couple of days later, he's like, you haven't given me dates yet. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll look into it. Again, not taking him seriously. A couple of days later, he says, to heck with it. I'll be there on Thursday. And he was. Wow. And my students just sat there and their jaws dropped because, well, we both know the stories he can tell. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I loved the fact, though, that that you you do the same thing. You have a podcast to listen to people and soak in that knowledge. Yeah, and I think the art of the podcast. I was saying I'll be releasing episode 100 next week, and you know, as I think um, JLD from EO Fire says, you know, I think his, he says his first hundred were bad, <laughs> so I'm hoping a couple of mine were good in there. But but the um, the point being is we it gives us the ability to hone our skills as an interviewer as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I've probably coached 10, 12, 15,000 people around the world in life. So I'm constantly talking, listening, learning, constantly cooking. But the skill of an interviewer is to elicit the information that they don't want to share with you because what you don't really want from a guest, I don't think anyway, is someone to repeat the same message over and over again. I think one of the challenges we face as a podcast host if someone's sharing their book or um you know latest course they're doing or a speech or a ted or whatever it happens to be is that they're very skilled at the message they want to deliver but to me if they've delivered that to 20 other audiences i really want to hear something different I, i want to hear some humanity from them not just a message and I think that's one of the skills that we mm. begin to learn as an interviewer is to get them off track and get them into a, a, a conversation. As you say, it's about having real conversations. Yeah, I think, boy, you're right. And, and here's, here's the thing that at times 
um, was bugging me is that having conversations with people as long as they're in your niche, as long as they're in your identity politic group. I don't know where it is, how it is on, on your side of the pond, um, but there were some times where I got a lot of criticism for some of the guests I had. I'm not going to name which ones, but mm -hmm. it was like, did you listen to the conversation? Because it was really cordial and it was, you know, did you question them on their, you know, there was a sound bite once where they said this. I'm like, no, it wasn't political grilling season. I wanted to listen to them and I wanted to learn from them. And do I agree with every single thing they said? No, but conversations are kind of important. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a really interesting point there because I've had, like you, you know, we have some pretty well-known people out there and, and particularly in the political environment in the States at the moment, people who do have a voice in that space. And I, I sit on the fence. Um, I just think I could, could do a better job than all the politicians, but I think most of us do. So, so I'm not going to make any yeah. other comments on that. Yeah. Um, but the point is, is that I don't have a show like Larry King where I'm going to sit there or like um, uh, Piers Morgan, where I'm going to sit there and critically analyze every comment they, they say. I could have a show like that and that would be my show. Um, but that's a conversation you can have, a deeper conversation you can have later. And one of the ways which, I'm, which I, I think I'd like to go down, which I'm exploring at the moment, and this lends to that deeper debate, is to start doing panels. Mm -hmm. mm. and to do them on the show and also to do them in video as well so that you can actually and and to do them with people who I've had on the show and also maybe so say you know maybe we're talking about today we're talking about entrepreneurship so you could have entrepreneurs like me on the show and then you could get someone like Seth who understands you know he's obviously the marketing guru but he's also an entrepreneur many times over and then you can get like a scientist who comes and unpacks the neuroscience of learning and yeah. And you can have these really challenging debates where our own theories are challenged, but we're doing that in a controlled, safe environment. Because otherwise, if you just bring a guest on and start throwing mud at them, you know, the, you might get a couple of your audience members who finds that funny, but that's, your show's dead, right? <laughs> yeah. I, boy, I'd never thought about, you know, I was just like thinking about what that would sound like for a, a panel type podcast. I mean, I know it's been done. Um, yeah, this the blending of those conversations. And uh, man, I love doing panels. Every now and then I, you know, do conferences and I and I do keynotes, but my favorite thing in the world is to do panels and pick up on the energy of everybody else. Mm. And yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, you know, you think you could do one with you and JT and Seth and maybe you get Tom or someone else or someone else in your lane. So okay, do a panel and share this information because yeah. I think that is actually far more empowering for the audience because we get to change as well. I was listening to um, a podcast. I don't know if you know Rich Roll. He's an ultra athlete, but he's at the moment got probably certainly at the end of last year, the most high profile podcast on the planet. Um, I know Joe Rogan's is pretty much up there, but his is really growing and scaling. Um, and he was had a guy called David Epstein on the show. And he was confronting Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours theory. And he has a, a converse theory on that, which is you don't need to be a specialist. You could be a generalist. You could actually be Roger Federer and learn uh, 
um, 10,000 hours of different sports and then go and pick tennis or you can be Tiger and learn 10,000 hours of one sport and be the master of that. But they're both masters of their art. And so someone put him and Gladwell on the same show and got them to debate the subject, knowing that this is Gladwell's like life theory. And Mark Gladwell said at the end, he said, you know what? I'm going to revise my book because what you're saying is right. And you wouldn't wow. get that without de that debate and that challenge. Wow. And what, what was that on again? Well, so Rich Roll, the, the Rich Roll podcast is where he interviewed David Epstein and David Epstein was talking about this debate with Malcolm Gladwell. I so you can, you can, yeah. yeah, you can, I think it's probably on YouTube or something like that, but, but it was just like what, and I think as a, for, to share with your audience is when we are entrepreneurs or we're creative or trying to do things, there is a tendency that we go into this, particularly when things are, are hard, we go into this lane, which we are very uncomfortable of coming out on. So we don't pivot or we don't listen. But what we're seeing here is you have people who are the pinnacle of their profession um, as authors, as entrepreneurs, as creatives, or as writers, whatever else you want to be, scientists, academics, but they're still saying, if you come up with a theory which is opposes mine and we can intellectually debate that, I might well change. And I think that's a really important lesson for an entrepreneur, um, regardless of where you're at, but particularly in startup world, to understand that what's the filter you have for taking on board advice and understanding you may actually be wrong. Hmm. I like that. Well, you know, okay, let me let me ask you this. Because, um, you know, when you do some of your, you know, consultancy, like you're, you're a transformational coach. And I'm listening to that, how, you know, person on a panel, like literally started changing their mind. What is one of the key ingredients when you're trying to, you know, transform somebody? And obviously, a lot of times you're in the, in the field of business, but like, how do you get people to acknowledge? Well, I guess, you know what, if they're, if they're searching for someone to help, they're already acknowledging it. But when you really are trying to transform someone and, and get them to make some really big shifts and pivots, what is the first thing you try to go for and, and dig in on? Well, funny enough, just before we were talking, I, I coach a lot of veterans. It's an area I find really interesting and, and they need a, a lot of help as well. And I was working with someone literally in this room an hour and a half ago and saying, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a therapist. But what I can understand is I can get you from A to B. And if you need to go and see a psych or a psychologist or whatever, whatever therapist you need to deal with the trauma that you've experienced, that's cool. But what I do is I find, and I was thinking about this just as you said that. And I started thinking about this when I was talking to them, reminding myself, I'm not a therapist, right? I'm a professional coach. I've been doing this for forever. Um, based on my own experience in life. But what we're doing is what I'm doing is actually getting to understand what belief system and values are important to them. And then when you find, because everyone's a different, every, everyone's belief systems are different, but everyone's way of understanding about life is different. When you understand their belief system, you can use that to say, okay, well, then you can challenge and debate that system and say, okay, well, if you believe this, what about this? Do you understand logically? So the idea is my work is cognitive, which is why I say I'm not a therapist. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to prescribe anything, but it's to do with the conversation of understanding the logical, practical aspects of transformation, which is 
if you tell me your theory, I am able to unpack that theory and show you the logic of how you can move away from that or move towards that, depending on what you need to do. But it's understanding where they, at a personal level, what they're attaching to. So, so my belief in life is that, and I'll share this with you very quickly, two of the biggest things which, um, two of the biggest obstacles which trip us up in life are expectation, our expectation of ourselves and other people, and perception, how we see people and how they see us. I think they're, they're the two biggest human challenges we face on a day-to-day basis. And then three of the, the three biggest challenges we face in our mindset and what we hold on to when we're talking about transformation, whether it's a CEO, whether it's a startup founder, whether it's um, you know uh, an elite athlete, is attachment, so holding on to things, aversion, which is things we dislike, and then lack of knowledge. So, you know, I was talking to uh, a lady called Dossie Bausch, who's a seven times US track athlete. She's a cyclist, Olympic silver medalist, and she was talking, she was on the show recently. She's an activist in, in the vegan world. Um, and she still believes that when she's doing that gold medal run, that the ground is going to open up and swallow her up, that she's going to fall off her bike. And this is an elite athlete. You, you listen to um, TM, Dominic TM playing, uh, playing Nadal in the semifinals of the Australian Open last week, and he said mentally, I just kept thinking I was going to fall over. I kept thinking I was going to fall over. So as a transformational coach, what we work with is why do you think that? And then getting them to understand it's not going to happen. It hasn't happened. So you move them forward and you give them confidence to know that the story they're creating around this negative energy is based on a fallacy. Okay. We can go deeper, but I think that no, probably no. does it for now. <laughs> well, no. So I was going to ask, I mean, like these things that we're talking about are, is you've said you've got a book coming out. Actually, we said this off air, but you have a book coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, are, these are some of the things that we're looking at at your book here soon. Um, the way we deal with expectation, yes, is definitely in the book. There's a, it explains how the thinking behind that and the theory behind that. And that's based on um, the four, four pillars, which I call control, communication, knowledge, and trust. And this applies to every decision, every expectation we have in life. So if you think about it, and I'll, I'll just briefly explain it. If you think about a Okay, so Don, let me say, so say you're going off to a client meeting, okay, and, um, you know, it's a really important client and you want to bring them into your new business. And you come back and you share with your co-founders and they say, how did it go, Don? It's really good. You know, what's, what, what, do you th- what percentage of it probability are we going to bring them into the business? Ah, oh, I reckon it's 90%. I've got a really good feeling from this, okay? And say, you know, three weeks later, nothing's happened. And your co-founders are saying, oh, sorry, I don't want to make it personal, but it's just an example. It's purely hypothetical. It happens to all of us in every business we ever do, so it doesn't matter, right? Um, they say, well, what happened? Well, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Now, well, three weeks ago, you said it's 90%. So if we unpack these pillars, right, control, how much control do you have over the knowledge-making process? Because what we're looking to do is see what is the probability of a likely outcome being met? the likely outcome is that whatever event you're looking for is going to happen. And if it's more than 50% is more likely, if it's less than 50% is less likely. So how much control did you have over them 
giving you that piece of work? Well, realistically, very little because it's within their domain, not yours, unless it's about a proposal and presentation. Then you can control the degree of research and preparation you've put into that. So, so maybe best case scenario is a three or a four out of 10. Right? Then you look at communication. Have they said to you in that meeting, by the way, Don, we love this product. We really want to work with you. You know, I just got to give it to the CEO and he's going to sign it off. Or do they just say, you know, look, it looks really good. I think we're going to go with this because they're very different conversations. Okay. So where's communication? Say it was five. Okay. So say at the moment you've got nine out of 20. So you're still below that outcome, outcome being met. Then you think about knowledge. How much knowledge do I have about that business? How much knowledge do I know about that decision-making process? Can you might say, well, um, actually, you know, he, he's someone I know, he's someone I personally know really well, so my knowledge about him is really high. Well, okay, well, how much knowledge do you have about that organization? Well, not so much. So maybe it's a five again. So we're 14 out of 30. We're still below 50%. How much do you trust them? Well, I trust my friend. Great. But how much do you, is he the decision maker? Well, I don't know if he's or she is the decision maker. And in fact, someone else is the decision maker. Right. So trust is still going to be below five out of 10. So when you tot it all up, you've got like, you know, 16 out of 40. So that outcome that you've set at 90% is now at 40%. So if you'd gone back, and I'm sorry, if anyone has gone back to their, to their business and said, actually, it's a 40% outcome, then you put that into your spreadsheet and go, right, we need to go and do more. We need to go and have more business development meetings because that one's probably not going to turn up. Mm. So, mm. so that, that theory is in the book. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And that's why I was like trying to go over, especially when you're talking about the four pillars and I like jotted down all four and, and I was, I was following. I like, how, so how long have you, well, I hate to say this generally, but how long have you been doing this? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? The theory or the coaching? <laughs> no, that, well, actually, the you know what? No, no, no. Like, no, seriously, both, because I'm assuming you've changed as a coach. I'm just, like some of the, some of the theories that I held strong. Well, here we go. Talking about Malcolm Gladwell. I'm sure you've made some mm. pivots and you've changed. So yeah, both. Okay, well, let me put it like this. Okay, when I was uh, 40, so 10 years ago, I had a very successful business. You know, it, I was worth eight figures, right? Um, I'd done very well, and I thought I'm going to retire. The recession came along and whacked me on the head, so that didn't happen. Then I set up another business. It was a tech software company. Uh, which I loved. I thought this was the future of the world. All my clients said, this is what we want for you. We love it. When it came, when the market came back, they didn't want to buy it. So we closed the business, cost me a million bucks. Okay, cash. That's cash. That's not anyone else's money. That's my money. It cost my co-founder about 400000 And that's my with one of my best friends. So between us, about $1.4 million. Six months later, I bring my family of uh, my wife, my two-year-old and six-month-old daughter back from the UK to Australia and get prostate cancer. Well, that's another whack on the head. And I had to, when I went to see my oncologist the next day, so there's nothing I can do for you. He said, you know, it's low grade, but you've got cancer and you're going to have to live with that. And I thought, well, right, what am I going to do? So I explored every possible avenue, like Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese energy medicine, shamanism, diet. I went raw vegan because that was the that's still the best diet for prostate cancer. Um, also ovarian and breast cancer. Um, 
But it wasn't just about that, Don. It's like I've put this crap into my body. How am I going to get it out? So I had to deeply reflect on all of my horrible things that, you know, we as humans have. And I did a lot of CBT work and RTTA, which is rapid transformational therapy, just everything I could to unlock all of that ego that I probably created in myself and this energy blockage in the body, which creates the cancer. So that's a massive transformation. I can promise you that, you know, without treatment, it it took me, you know, we went to live in Bali for a year and a half, uh, to do some healing, but also to grow another business at the same time. But we're talking eight years. That was nearly eight years ago. That's eight years of transformational mindset work on myself. And I still do this all the time. So when I coached the coach, person I was coaching before me, I was like, you know, this is a, this is not a quick fix. This is, we talk about what do we what do we give them is you let them know that i can help you get from a to b but this is a lifetime's work we don't stop learning until we take the the the, the, the our last breath so if you want to take a pill and get better that's not going to be my pill so people have got to be really ready to do that work so yeah so that's many transformations you know this is the fifth company i've been on my family we've moved continents four times in the last 10 years i've grown businesses on four continents and i've learned a hell of a lot um, and I've taken a two-year break between the last company I did and the one which I'm building now to apply, hopefully, all of that knowledge of taking a rest, being patient, experimenting, testing, applying my own theory and psychology to myself. And I tell you what, Don, is the hardest thing you can possibly do to apply your own teaching to yourself. I don't know if you do that. <laughs> no, I, boy. Yeah, I, I've, I've known that about myself. I've known that about in distant teaching. I, you know, I told that, you know, this class I had was, you basically told me the things that you were going to do. And we found out that the hardest things in the world were things that you tell yourself that you're going to do. You know, what do you, what are the things you tell people about yourself that you believe? <laughs> and how different yeah. are they? Uh, so no, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. It's, I think that's why, in some ways, I like living a life transparently. So if I say I'm going to do something on the podcast, people are like, oh, how's that going? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Or just in my weight loss journey not too long ago, I brought, you know, there was this thing called healthywage.com. And basically, if you lose the weight, you get your money back. And if you don't lose weight, they get the money. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm frugal. And, uh, and, I, and plus, I got bonuses. So I, I was either going to lose my 23 pounds and get back my $300. I ended up getting back 700 because I hit bonuses <laughs> and all this other stuff. But I liked it because I was giving some updates and people are asking like, Hey, how's, how's, how's the weight loss going? Because I talked about it. So, you know, if I don't have an accountability, but that and my wife, you know, I'm <clears throat> really, really oh, blessed to invest you. my best, you know, married a best friend. And she, she keeps me on the straight and narrow. Yeah, my wife keeps me on the straight and narrow and, and um, sometimes painfully, but I need it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Ed, Ed I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, A, keep these conversations going. I appreciate you as a friend. And, and uh, you know, what I also enjoyed was the humility. You, you, look, you could have woven these tales of uh, your entrepreneurial success, and they're there. As a matter of fact, by the way, guys, listen to this. He has his own show, and I highly recommend that uh, you you listen to them. Um, but like, you're usually focused on others, 
And, you know, rarely do you talk about the background you have of success and, and of course, highs and lows like everybody else. But I appreciate the humility and I appreciate the fact that um, when you reached out to me on LinkedIn a long time ago and, and also, you know, kind of help you, you've, you've, you've sent some notes back to my students. I know you've helped Ava and, and given her some advice. So I sincerely just appreciate your willingness to, to listen to others and, and, uh, and to give some great wisdom like we've been hearing on the show. So sincerely, Ed, I appreciate uh, what you do and, and the work you, you're, you're doing for everybody else. Don, that, that's my pleasure. I mean, and I think that one of the things I want to share with the audience as well, and something that um, in the entrepreneurship world, we sort of talk about and we don't talk about. It. It's one of those subjects that more people like JT are talking about and David Meltzer, but there are a few people, less people talking about it. And that is um, on this entrepreneurial startup journey that we all find ourselves on. Um, you know, I had a person on my show, been on the show twice now, and he had eight, so for the audience, 85 million visits to the app store, uh, to an email list of 200,000 people, and he closed his business just before Christmas because he wasn't making any money. He was the darling of the world, the darling of the Apple store, because he'd taken his ass off the ball financially. Um, and they they didn't dive into the red flags which were popping up because it's you know as he says it's about what is the what's the knowledge what's the information what are the what are the pain points that you're not listening to and so what I want to share with your with your audience is that it doesn't matter okay whether you make money or not yes it matters for your investors yes it matters for your financial freedom and for your family but the point being is that if you have a project which doesn't work, your skills and your ability to be a human and your ability and strengths to help people, they have not changed. What's in your bank balance has changed. And very, very different things. And I think one of the things that entrepreneurs find very hard is when you get kicked in the guts is to recognize that you've still got it and you can still keep going because nothing's changed. The only thing has changed is your bank balance. And, and when I was thinking about what I want to share on your show today, Don, is, a, is something which I've never shared before, okay? And it's deeply personal. I want to share it because it's about time it came out. And it's very much about this. And so here we go. Okay, so two years ago, we came back from England to Australia because for two reasons. Well, we told the world one reason, which is my daughter's got chronic asthma and she gets very sick in England, and that's still very true. But realistically, the main reason is because I ran out of cash. I literally ran out of money. It's like, okay, it didn't go, didn't go bust, but I ran out of money. I'd invested, I tried, I'd done, you know, don't forget, I, I was at eight figures at one stage. I literally ran out of money. It's like, I, you know, so we had to um, get, get some help from, from, uh, from my mother-in-law, which is particularly painful, but incredibly grateful. But the lesson to be learned from that, right, is that within... And I, I was still startup consulting, no one knew, but, you know, so, so I was still capable of delivering exactly what I need to deliver, even though I'd burned through my cash. But then I went and took some consulting work, which I'd walked away from 10 years before because I just didn't like it anymore. I'd lost my passion for it. And I went back into it. And my wife was pushing me really hard to do this. She said, you need to do this, you know, just let go of the ego, go back and do it. And you know what happened? is within six months, I had seven figures back in my bank account again. 
from one serendipitous meeting of this incredible woman who opened my eyes to something which was always mine for seven years I could have had that money at any particular time I wanted but she but I had to learn some really hard lessons in order to come out the other side and I haven't shared that before but I think it's important because I know from myself the the mental health journey entrepreneurs and founders go through and you know the, all the struggles and battles we have financially and everything else and the rewards are enormous but we have to let go of that ego and as you say have humility and that's painful right to to admit that but the point being is that that knowledge that we have still exists we have to remember the knowledge and the power and the credibility all of that is there status which is how much money you've got in the bank account is only relevant if someone knows about it otherwise no one cares I like that. I, 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 uh, yeah, I'm always, <laughs> we talked about it at the beginning of the show. I'll talk about it again. I, I love these conversations. I love being able to, you know, if, and when <laughs> I get, cause we, we started off before we were recording. I was talking about some of the highs and lows of being a nonprofit and everything else. And yet a few words of wisdom for me. And, and just in all this, it's all occurring to me that, you know, these conversations, these friendships and, and these kind of, um, opportunities to talk to one another are just really so healing and uh yeah i like and talking to a couple students i'm like you know the best thing in the world is to start a podcast and like oh who should our guest be i'm like i don't care it's just it's just it's just healthy to interview somebody and have a conversation and learn from them matter of fact i i I remember um how i was talking who was it i was like it, it 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 would be cool even if you just randomly were to go to anywhere. Oh no, I now know what it is. I had a couple of students that um they were gonna do a documentary and uh they took a, a map of basically four states so that it was and it literally was a paper map. Um by the way this was two thousand and seven so it's going back a ways but they they threw a dart at a map and so they it landed on destination we're like that's where we're gonna go and they're like and we're gonna do a documentary on what is your story. And it was just a indescript town in, I think it was Illinois. And they just wanted to see, you know, walk around and like in a non-threatening way and saying, what's your story? And they found out a lot of people had a lot of cool stories. Yeah. And and just doing that, you know, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's the story. And we talked about this earlier, right? It's everyone has a story. Some like JT's are profound. And uh, there are a few others out there who've got incredible stories of, of resurrection and redemption. But everyone has a story. The question is, is what you're going to do with it? And, and I think, you know, another one of those lessons for, yeah. for you know, for, for, for our entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and startup founders, and it doesn't really matter how old or young you are. And this is, this has become a bit of a theme amongst my guests recently, particularly not from all of them, but, but certainly, well, there are two things. One is that the thing they value the most out of everything they've learned is the relationships they've developed, regardless of the numbers they've made or lost is the relationships they develop. That is the core part for them. But a few of the say our age, our generation entrepreneurs, like so some of these guys have made hundreds of millions of dollars, right? That's in their pocket. But they say, you know what, the one thing that I've destroyed or, or lost in that entrepreneurial journey is they lost their family as a result. 
So they got the money. And so now they're trying to, the, the one thing which is the most important thing they want to do with all of their money is to help other people and to find companionship again for yourself. And it's one of the, I tell you what, Don, you know this. And for everyone out there who's listening, who's in a relationship or, you know, we all want, most of us want to be around other people, not everyone, but most of us do, is that if you can build a business um, and, and sustain that whilst you're sustaining a family or a relationship, I tell you what, it's the hardest thing in the world to pull off. <laughs> right? Yeah. But the most important, but the most important. Yeah. Yeah. I, when you, sorry, I couldn't help my, ooh, yeah. You know, you just had a great conversation. You just got a lot of wisdom. What are you going to do with it? Um, I know some, and, and I'm not saying that they're wrong to do this, but I know a lot of people that are like, I read a book in a month. I'm like, awesome. Oh, yeah. Or a day, like, a book a day. Right, yeah. Right. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> what are you doing with it? Um, you know, I, it, you know, just like, I love wisdom too, but what are you doing with it? And um, learning and growing and doing something with it is, is really, really, really uh, what, important thing. It's the same as goal setting. Like how many people are talking about goal setting, but you can set as many goals as you like. Are you doing anything about it? So, so I'm sure you, you yes. probably do this. Yes. But yeah. Cannot, yeah. The, uh, the impressive goal list of like 20 things. You're like, that's not a goal list. That's a wish list. Yeah, it's a fantasy. So I don't know if you do this, and, and a few people I know do, and I, uh, is that I, I do this with myself every Friday, generally. So today's Friday here in Australia. When I go to bed on Friday night, and this will probably set my mood for Saturday, so I've got to be careful, right? <laughs> is, um, is I ask myself, have I done everything this week which I promised I would do? In other words, basics like you know putting food on the table sorting the kids out everyone happy and then have i done everything in my business that i said i would do have i basically ticked off all the people i said i was going to email all the phone calls i was going to do all of the, the podcast activities we can do have i done that yes or no and look it's hard to have nailed all of it but basically you've got to feel have i done that or have i been lazy if i've been lazy what have i put off what fears am i confronting that I'm not actually dealing with and I need to dive into those maybe over the weekend, have a think about that and then start again the next week. I'm not saying any, you know, I'm definitely not the person who's going to say, Oh, look at me. I've done all these wonderful things. I'm absolutely perfect. I read a book a day. I get up at 4am and I work 28 hours a day. Yeah. Some days I do work 18 hours, but I'm also human. And I think that that integrity piece. And one of the things I think also to learn form young entrepreneur entrepreneurs whether they're young or old as you build businesses is create that integrity and authenticity about yourself okay from day one let people resonate with your product to your idea see who you are right? everyone you look at elon musk okay can people can see him they know he sleeps in his office they know that he struggles with relationships they know that he has mental fragility but he shares that it's not hidden, right? Is when we hide all of these things from other people in our growth journey. I mean, some of the stuff you don't want to share with the world all the time, but I think when people understand where you're coming from and you inject your personality and energy and passion into projects that they relate to, then you get businesses which create an energy and a momentum around. You, you know, you can build a business like Travis Kalanick and have a horrible corporate culture but he has a product that works. But realistically, he had to step out of his own business because of his behavior. Do you want to be that founder? Or do you want to be the founder who shows up every day 
with authenticity. You're allowed to make mistakes with integrity, with ethics, and create an amazing product which people want. You don't have to be an ass to be successful. <laughs> some of the people, yeah, I'll leave it that there. Uh, there's, there's some people. <laughs> there's some people that there's a, the, yeah I. Uh, there's just been a couple of key figures that they're idolized and they were just horrible. And um, yeah, I, I do, I do like the reverence for the people that, that did it the right way and are kind and are compassionate and don't have this uh, persona of uh, my way or the highway and, and, and to hell with everybody. So, yeah. But it's a choice, Don. I don't work with those people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to. <laughs> well, Ed, I uh, again, I sincerely appreciate you being on. This has uh, been enlightening and fun, and and uh, as always, uh, I want to want to be able to to tell my audience, you know, the book's coming out soon. What's the name of the book, and also other places they can find you and and be ready for all this. Well, the problem with a book title is it's about to change because my editor said it. The, the, <laughs> I've got to change okay. the title well, of the book. <laughs> okay, well then, just just the place there where we should, so just the landing site where you can find Andrew. Yeah, where 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 should we look just, for more Ed Andrew? Just come to edandrew.com. You'll find everything you need there. Simple, simple. Ed, you're a friend. You are a deep thinker. You are a uh, a successful entrepreneur, and you put people first. So I appreciate you, and thank you for being on the show. Don, it's great, great pleasure. Always happy to stay in touch. Thank you so much. <laughs>